2: it's time to get outside this is ksl outdoors brought to you by beer river lodge two hours of stories and
0: information on hunting fishing and high adventure our host is tim hughes on ksl news radio
3: welcome back hour number two and the final one for another week of ksl outdoors radio i was just uh checking my text here seems everybody's out having a good time today but mate Not that I don't enjoy my time, you know, here in the studio sharing all these great stories from not just around the state but around the country and around the world with you. But uh, (laughs) the idea that I would forget what day of the week it was or what time of the day and not have an itinerary of when I have to be home or back to work, I think that's appealing to all of us. Let me just – I was just looking at my text because coming up in this half hour, we're going to be checking in with Bob Grove and Mark Wade. I just had a text from Bob that said we'll be in Kanab, um, in the Kanab area. So they're working to get uh, a good cell service site, or maybe they'll be able to get some internet. We'll find out and check in as we do a little road tripping uh, in just a little bit. And Jason Curry, who is the director of the Utah Division of Outdoor Recreation – Was on um, Utah's Morning News this week talking about the dangers of all of this fast-moving water and how to keep you and your family safe. We wanted to um, readdress that in a little more detail because we just don't get much time in morning drive to do that. So look forward to that conversation at 735. And then Roger Eggett uh, will join us uh, coming up to wrap up the program here from Bear River Lodge. And uh, be happy to share that conversation with you. Bruce Johnson is the Aquatics Invasive Species Statewide Operations Lieutenant and joins us on the line now. Bruce, thanks for a few minutes of your time. You bet. Good morning. Faith suggested, uh, Faith Jolly from the division suggested that uh, we get in contact with you because there's something that's happening people will want to be want to uh, know about and certainly will need to participate in and that is some of these aquatic invasive species checkpoints that are coming up let's start with the good news here for boaters and the good news is there's going to be water in that favorite lake or uh, reservoir of yours to play in we'll start with the positive
4: yeah that's that is good news we're happy to see water this year and a lot of our reservoirs will be full and ready for boaters
3: yeah how does that affect, and let me ask you that, has it been a net positive, a net negative, or do we really know? How has the lower water had an effect, uh, either better or for worse, of the Quagga mussel invasion?
4: Well, you know, leading into the pandemic, we were on a climb for increased visitation and boater contacts. The pandemic really exploded those contacts with people getting out, and now we've seen a slight um, decrease from those super high numbers that we were seeing during the pandemic. So I expect our boating numbers to go back up this year with higher water, more access, especially at Lake Powell, where there'll be more ramps available to launch at Lake Powell this year. I see a lot more boaters coming out and we'll see a lot more people.
3: Yeah. So that, that certainly is going to be the case. My question, I guess, is more around uh, the quagga mussels themselves because uh, I've seen pictures I haven't been to like down to Lake Powell in years and and uh, need to change that but when this water dropped to in some cases record lows and and worrisome levels quite frankly at places like Lake Powell you could see the mussels on the rocks you know that were finally exposed did the sun take care of those that were exposed there and could that possibly help with the spread or the numbers
4: yeah it's an interesting um, dynamic there. As the water levels drop, you see those muscles attached to the walls, and the dry air, lack of water for them, it does kill them, desiccates them. What it does allow for is quagga muscles will occupy a level, a strata in the water column. So as water levels vary, the water column and the levels that you'll find them attached in that water column will vary as well so if the water stays at a static level you will continually see quagga mussels at a certain depth and range so yes it is killing those that were at the higher elevations in the water column but as it drops it allows them to go to lower water levels on the lake itself so it's kind of a two-edged
3: sword there yeah here's the crazy thing about lake powell and again back to the positives of this water situation we were you know releasing water from uh areas down the colorado river to try and raise levels of uh lake powell to try and keep it above the level where it needs to be to generate power downstream which was quite frankly a scary story to me and others but this year yep now, think about the size of Lake Powell. It's 186 miles long, something like that, has close to 2,000 miles of shoreline. They're saying that thing could come up 70 feet. That's incredible.
4: Yes, it is. When you look historically, back in the 80s at peak flow, there was 122,000 uh, CFS coming out of the Colorado there into Lake Powell on any given moment, so it's impressive how much water flows into that lake and how much it can hold.
3: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, what boaters need to be aware of. And again, you're concentrating on Lake Powell because if I'm not mistaken, that's still the only place that we have quagga infestation, fingers crossed. Although we have found some dead villagers, I guess, in other places, it hasn't turned out to be that we have uh, other waters that are affected yet, right?
4: Correct. It is still at Lake Powell. We've managed containment there for the last 10-plus years. We're excited about that. We're proud of ourselves for that effort, and it comes back to our dedicated staff and the boaters across Utah other states that are committed to helping us keep it contained at that location.
3: Yeah, I wanted to make that point. It's a real partnership that only works if the voters cooperate, and they should do that. Coming up June 2nd, 9 in the morning till 830 on the north side of I-70 at the Utah Department of Transportation weigh station. I guess folks will be forced off there or certainly directed there uh, to make sure that their watercraft of any kind, not just a boat, but a jet ski, a canoe, a kayak, float tubes even are looked at.
4: Correct. We're uh, wanting to contact all the watercraft traveling westbound on I-70 there at the Old Way station from 9 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. that day. We want to verify that boaters are in compliance with all the rules and regulations that drain plugs are pulled. That's a a big one for us, as well as uh, newer threats um, in the Midwest and nearby states with um, their infestations. We want to make sure we're not allowing any more of those to travel into our
3: state. If they have not been at Lake Powell, do they still need to pull in there and fill out some paperwork or something?
4: Yes, all watercraft are required to stop, get an inspection, and it can be a super short, maybe a minute or two, and they can be back on their way. If we find that there are um, other matters or high threat levels with that watercraft, we will. Um, continue that um, contact a little bit longer and potentially decontaminate their boat to make sure their watercraft is safe to travel
3: all right that would have been my next question is if there was going to be some actual dec- uh, contamination, decontamination going on at that spot uh, if you find quagga how long do they have to keep their boat out of the water anywhere
4: um any complex watercraft any watercraft that's been in a Contaminate or an infested water in the last 30 days, it is a 30 day dry time or professional decontamination by our certified staff. During the season, there is a dry time for the less complex boats, the canoes, the kayaks, um, simple watercraft. During the summer, that is a seven day dry time. In the shoulder season, it is 18 day dry time. And then in the winter months, it's a 30-day try train
3: Okay, that's uh, what I wanted to make sure we got out there. I asked you a minute ago, you know, did every uh, watercraft, every boat have to pull out? Here's the answer to that in a different way. It's a Class B misdemeanor if you don't, right?
4: Correct, yes. citations are certainly possible with watercraft that choose not to stop.
3: All right, so uh, again, and this is just sort of a catchy little phrase to help you remember, basically, if it floats, it's a boat. And so on Friday, June 2nd, 9 in the morning until 8.30 at night, north side of I-70, right there at the uh, Department of Transportation weigh station at about milepost 186. You're going to have to pull out there and uh, have an inspection done. And as uh, Bruce just said, could be as little as a couple of minutes or a little bit longer than that, depending. Bruce, we appreciate your time and all the work you guys put in. And, again, pats on the back not just to uh, your folks, your department, but all of those boaters out there that help make sure that for a decade now these Quaggas have stayed at Lake Powell and not gone anywhere else. Yep, we're proud of
4: that fact. We hope it continues. Thanks, Tim.
3: Thanks for your time this morning, as always. Uh, Bruce Johnson joining us uh, this morning. Uh, the Aquatic Invasive Species Statewide Operations Lieutenant. We're going to take a break. We'll come back, and uh, we will be checking in in uh, just a minute with Bob and Mark. We'll find out where they are today as we do a little road tripping coming up.
2: I'm Dave Cawley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.
3: Willie's one of the newest members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Believe it or not, Willie's going to take us on the road again. On the road again. And you know what that means. It's time to connect with uh, Bob Grove, Mark Wade. We're doing a little road trip in here, and uh, you're going to be able to tell from the sound that these guys are out there on the road in Canab, I think. Jump in here. I don't know which one of you wants to start.
0: Yes, we are in Little Hollywood, Abra Canabra. Park Central. Take <laughs> like whatever slogan they've used over the last few decades. Yeah.
3: Mark, you were telling me before we jumped in here what you guys have been up to or what you still got planned. Uh, we're recording this program again on Thursday, so give us a little itinerary.
1: So a couple of days ago, we were out on the Utah Arizona border. You know, out in the place where they used to when they used to make all those western movies down here in Canab in the 40s and 50s. We were out in a place where they used to reenact a lot of the, uh, the scenes for the movies. And we went horseback riding in an area that's some red rock formations, and it was right on the border. I'm pretty sure we rode out of Utah into Arizona and back into Utah in a nice, short, couple-hour ride. It was pretty fantastic. And it was morning. The sun was just rising, and the shadows were long from the horses. We were kind of feeling like we were Butch Cassidy and Sundance.
3: Oh, wow. I'll bet you got some beautiful video and photos probably.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> we got
0: some some of the best. Uh, well, Mark was flying drone. I was taking photographs, but Mark shot some of the best drone video I've ever seen him shoot.
3: Really? And yeah, that, it's amazing. That'll be up on the site, I'm hoping, sometime soon.
1: It'll be up there for Saturday morning. People can... Be, uh, enjoying that? Just go to roadtrippingwithbobandmark.com.
3: Were you guys looking for specific uh, targeted areas, or just general, uh, you know, looks around the region?
1: Well, we've been invited down to come and help some folks kind of develop some new things in the horseback ride. Was one. The other thing we went out into is a is a place kind of east of Zion National Park, east and south. And the, you, you've heard of the earth. Was the South Fork of the Virgin River? Yeah. This would be south of that, and there's a place out there, a big knoll that gives you a view of Zion National Park off in the distance. You got the Glendale Bench. It's all part of the Grand Staircase, and all visible from this knoll. So we took a jeep, an early morning jeep ride, out up on top of this knoll, and Bob was shooting photographs again. And we were out with a group of people, and they were kind of test testing some of these spots to see how they would go for future visitors to come and enjoy those areas.
3: So were these new areas for you guys, Bob, or are these uh, places you've stopped at before?
0: They were new areas for me. I, I mean, I hadn't been to this point where we went with the Jeep tour. I've been in the vicinity, but I haven't been to these specific areas. And I tell you that we'll have pictures on our blog as well, but where we went with the Jeep to the very end of the trail where we were driving at one of the most beautiful panoramic vistas, Looking back, you could see West Temple, Zion. You could see Cedar Breaks, you know, in the Orderville area. I mean, it was just amazing.
1: All the way, in fact, all the way to the south rim, north rim of the Grand Canyon, the Kaibab Plateau. We could probably see sixty miles of the Kaibab Plateau.
0: Yeah, it was a three hundred and sixty degree view. We had it was really amazing.
3: Are these areas um, designated for either side by side rides or horse, or are they open to both? They're
1: they're. Maybe for the Jeep area, there's are some trails or roads that are designated open, but some of it's private or, you know, sections that are owned privately, and so you can't get into some of those, and that's why they guide to those areas, because they're, they're harder to access. Uh, but the horse rides, you could bring your horses down and go riding, but get, there's still a lot of private land around Canab and so uh, we're glad for a little bit of private land, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, um, so as you look ahead here, you've already been out on the horses. You've already been out to a couple of these uh, lookouts. What's next? What, is there anything left for you uh, leading into the weekend? Yeah,
0: one of the other things that we did while we've been here, we went to some beautiful waterfalls up at uh, – we were up at Zion Ponderosa Ranch. There's a couple of waterfalls went, went up to Jolly uh, – Jolly Gulch. This is a great time, by the way. I just want to put this in there. If people are thinking about going somewhere soon, this is a great area to come to because the water is running. There's water running right now that doesn't typically run because snowmelt. Yeah. But there's lots of waterfalls up in this high country on the east side of Zion. And later today, we're going to go out to um, Water Canyon near um, Colorado City, uh, Hildale, Cane Betts area. We're going to drive out there. We're also going to visit Pipe Springs National Monument while we're in the area.
3: Well, we've talked a lot about the water on the show today uh, with both the Division of Wildlife Resources and uh, with the Division of Outdoor Recreation, and that was one of my questions is, did you see waterfalls Whether you haven't seen them before? And I don't know how much of a look you got at Lake Powell, for instance, but uh, the, the amount of water that's going in there and the expectation that it's going to come up 70 feet or more is just incredible to me.
1: It's amazing how much water is going to come into the lake. And I, as we were coming down here, I came down past the Severe River in near Hatch Panguitch area. The river was two to three hundred feet wide in spots when it's normally you know twenty feet wide. So oh. It's Quite amazing. What some of the areas of the state where where the water's flowing as the temperatures.
0: Yeah, another good point. I asked Marcus on his way down what Paiute. Reservoir looked like, you know, the state park there uh, near Junction, and he said it was full, and I haven't seen it full in a few years, so that's pretty exciting.
3: Yeah, that's all such great news, and the fact that it's come down, you know, we've had a couple of small flooding areas, but it was mostly because we had some uh, natural drains are not natural but uh, developed drains that were put in to avoid it and they just got clogged up with some of the debris that was coming down with it anyway uh, we've been lucky to this point and it looks like we're going to be lucky uh, in the next uh, four or five days as long as we don't get a big gully washing rainstorm here when can we see your handiwork on the website
0: it'll be out uh, saturday morning in time for the show you so you'll be able to see a lot of the places i might want to make a point right now too if you're interested in hearing the level of virgin river go to our blog and just type in zion national park or springdale we have a lot of links that will take you to where you can get all the information you're looking for
3: yeah well i wish i had the view you guys have um bob was messing with me when we first connected where are you in my car yeah but like where are you in canab (laughs) thought i was playing some uh murder board game or something here Uh, Anyway, you, you guys continue to have fun. Be safe down there, and thanks for sharing your pictures with us.
1: Thank you, Tim. Talk to
3: you soon. That is uh, Mark Wade. Bob Grove, is always, road tripping with Bob and Mark. And uh, you can find him by just uh, doing a little search. It's a great place to learn more about the places you can see off the beaten path here in Utah.